Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down with Patrick Burchart. He is a KLM airline, airline captain who gives us a behind-the-scenes view and some insights into that industry. I had no idea what happens when captains are changing locations, when they're kind of like off shift. So just wait till you hear about that. I, I won't give anything away. It's in this episode toward the end. I'll just leave it at that. And he came on the episode because he's a longtime supporter of Rockstar and he wanted to share his views on real estate investing, why he went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and his own views on the global macroeconomic picture. We were thrilled to bring him on. He literally has a view from the clouds. See what I did there? View from the clouds. He's an airline pilot. He has a different view. Anyway, I thought that was brilliant. Anyway, um, if you are listening to this and you want to get into some real estate investing for yourself, but you're not sure where to start, you can check out our newsletter. It's our weekly newsletter where we summarize all the different YouTube videos and podcasts and reports that we're putting out every week. And we give real-time commentary on the economy, interest rates, mortgage changes, everything that we see going on in the world that we think affects real estate investors. You can get access to that newsletter by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's it for the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live. Okay, good. We are live with Patrick. Patrick, how do I pronounce your last name properly? Because I want to go with this here. Okay. Put it to the mic. Put it to the mic. I don't know. I don't know how long you can put that to the mic for without getting us banned off somewhere. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. That always gets me amped. That always you know what? gets That's, me amped. You it, guys, you guys. Here we have a guest. Oh, Nick is here. Oh, Nick. Cool. We have new. Here, we'll, we'll go back to the music. Patrick's getting getting ready for the podcast. How do I uh, so how do I pronounce your last name, Patrick? Burcharts. Pa- Burcharts. This Burcharts. is of which descent? Uh, it is. Uh, hey, Nick. Good to see you. It's uh, German. German Background, descent. Uh, yeah, it goes back so many generations. And you're just Germany, here from Amsterdam. You were in Amsterdam really, a few hours ago. My my immediate heritage is Dutch. And you were in Amsterdam. Why or were you in Amsterdam a few hours ago? Well, I had to operate a flight for KLM. Pull the mic right in close to you. Okay, there we, here yeah, we, there go. we go. Yes. I had to operate a flight from Amsterdam to Toronto. And uh, I arrived at uh, approximately quarter to one, got into Uber, and came here. Oh, yeah, and the, pi- the pilot coat's right here. Yeah, he was wearing it. the yeah. whole gear when he got in here. But I, So I just need to know something. When you're flying the plane... Um, are you eating the wraps that we're eating in the back, or are you eating the nice food that the people who are in business class at the front is, are eating? What food are you eating? You know, I what? just want to know. Is you it know, the wrap or is it the filet mignon? You could Tell- have the filet mignon, but after a while you might get bored of that. Oh no! So my then gosh. you do go for the wrap. Whoa! Oh, you're having that much steak, <laughs> and, you, and you don't get the pasta. There's no way you get the pasta. <laughs> yeah, look, you've seen everything so many times, and then it's like, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Then you just eat it. <laughs> so um, these days, it's okay. Is it healthy or not? Yeah, got it's it. It's got some broccoli. Okay, I'll have that. Got it. So where do we start with you? Uh, your real estate. You, we met you through real estate investing. Now we're, we're we've been talking about some Bitcoin stuff. Where do we even begin you okay lead us. so you know what uh when you do this you you know you reflect on where you've been and 
I, you know, what I, what I kind of represent is just another investor. I don't know everything. Certainly Bitcoin is new to me. But uh, I just think that, you know, I, I've gone down that rabbit hole and maybe, you know, I can share some things that might be helpful for the other listeners. The other thing, though, is that I look back and I go, you know what? I started investing in real estate in 2013. That was a big, there was a difference. It was a completely different landscape back then. And uh, for me, it was you had rain or you had books like... Um, uh, uh, what's his name, Douglas Gray or Don Campbell. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you just kind of threw yourself into it. And away you went. And I remember seeing an ad, and I'm pretty sure it was Rockstar. And I, uh -oh. and I called, and you guys answered. <laughs> Didn't make an impression. Didn't use it. But, you know, here's the thing. I look I like now. I saw your ad. Didn't, didn't follow up with you guys after I spoke <laughs> to you. <laughs> I don't know who I spoke to. But, you know, here's the point. <laughs> if I look at what you guys provide today, you guys are the master class in real estate investing. Really? No, you're being because too you're, kind. No, too think kind. about it. You guys have four books. You guys uh, set up everybody with uh, not only an, an agent, but a, a mentor and a coach for real estate investing. I didn't have that back in the day. Not really. Uh, the first night that everybody comes in, they meet you guys. They meet the CEOs of the business. You do 19 shows or 19 classes in the evening. You have a roller decks, a big, huge roller decks. Uh, podcast. Like Patrick knows our business better than we know our business. We're looking for a sales director. Yeah, yeah, Would you, you like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but really. And so, I get, uh, you know, for me, what I like is that you come out every quarter or every four months, whatever, and you do this real estate update. I just have to listen to that. I'm totally up to speed. Micro, macro, what's happening, GTA, Niagara. Okay, properties are doing well. It seems that, you know, people are still renting. We just went through a corona pandemic and, uh, you know, chillax, it's all good. That was great. So, you know, I guess what I'm going at with this is that when you guys talk about Bitcoin or anything else, yeah, maybe it's something to listen to because these guys have steered you in the right direction for all these years. This is something that, you know, maybe we have to pay attention a little bit more than just brushing it off. And so anyways, I just wanted to Very bring that cool. up. Thank you. Yeah. That is, you are being really kind and we, we really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And, 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 and I think part of the reason that I feel a little bit like, oh, oh boy, here we go talking about real estate again or central banking again or the devaluation of our currency or artificially low interest rates or now Bitcoin because it's all one theme that we feel like if you can figure out the money system, you can live life on your own terms. That's mm -hmm. why we believe this, that it is worth all of our time figuring out how the money system works because if we can front run some of how the money system works, we can live a life that we choose for ourselves and our families. So that's very cool. And now that we know that you're a pilot, can you confirm for us, is the earth round? I'm just curious <laughs> because I've been hearing rumors There's that it's rumors not, that it's flat. Yeah. Is, round. is it round? Yeah. You're no, I sure? can confirm that. Absolutely. Are, really? <laughs> when you're up there, it looks round to you? It looks round to me. Does it? <laughs> okay. Okay. You see a curvature? Uh, yeah. There's a, curvature? a little bit of curvature. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay the one okay. thing I've always wondered uh, Keith wanted me to remind you to turn the mic on. I don't know if you did or not. Just, yeah. Your okay. mic? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear off. you. Okay. I can totally hear you. So I can actually hear you so much. I'm thinking about turning your mic off. <laughs> hey, man, I'm just following directions. Okay. Keith told me to tell you, and that was it. This is the one thing that freaks me about flying, this turbulence thing. Okay. 
machines that size aren't supposed to shake that way. But I've been told, I have another friend who's a pilot, he's like, look, Nick, you don't understand. He goes, I've seen some of the, some of the planes. He's a, he flies for Caribbean. Mm. And he's like, I, you know, sometimes I'm sitting up front and with his accent, it's hilarious. And he's, he's like, I look back and I see the, the wing flapping like a bird. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So every time I'm going through this, like what I think is a lot of turbulence, I keep thinking of those, um, of what he tells me. And I just want to confirm with you, this turbulence thing, <laughs> when the plane's shaking up and down, we're good still? We're absolutely good. Really? Oh, yeah. Even but, but when are the wings... Say, are the wings we don't like, even want to know what it goes through these aircraft when they test them. They're bending the wings like this, bringing them 90 degrees, and they sit there for days doing this flexing. See, just that's to what see, flexing. But when yeah. to see if it reaches failure. But when the turbulence I mean, is freaking us out in the back, are you freaking out in the front? Yeah, no. 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 So what does yeah, no, no, yeah, 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 no. Well, I thought it would be cheeky, but no, I don't know. It's all good. It's all good. It's you know what? It's you're flying through a fluid, and so sometimes the fluid, the air, is a fluid, and so sometimes the fluid is is moving a little bit like this. So you fly through that, and it just goes, but it's fine. It's all fine. Yeah, I no problem. So, I, guess, I, that, I so now I'm happy because now I have two people. So now I'll, I'll listen. I'll think about your voice, Patrick, and I'll think about my friend Sean's voice as well. So I got two people in the back of my head thinking, "You're good. You're good." I'm usually it's pretty okay. good with turbulence, but there was one flight from Split to Zagreb in Croatia that had so much turbulence. I was there by myself on that flight. I guess I was there for a wedding way back or whatever, and. Uh, I remember thinking, do I have to scribble something down on paper because I'm not going to make it? And my meager life's work, who do I leave this to? Because I just thought that was it. Because you have those, I know you're used to it, but you're, some turbulence gets to you. Like it's a bit much. Oh, I remember landing in New Jersey once and I guess it was windy or whatever. And I just, I had like just this pit stains by the end of it. I was sweating. I was so like, I was just, I was just holding on to that, to that seat, man. I'm like, okay, I think we're good. We're good. Just get me on the damn ground. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, a neighbor of mine was flying from uh, Rome with KLM to Amsterdam. And it was quite turbulent and windy on approach. And so sometimes you're on the approach, the aircraft will say wind shear. And the policy is, oh, we go in the go around. So they go in the go around. And it was the third attempt that they didn't get the warning and they landed. But for the, for the passengers, they're quite upset. They're yes. like, why did we, what you know, we're about to land on? and we're climbing again. What's going on? And, you know, you have to walk them through it, brief them. And uh, yeah, the third time you landed. Yeah. I feel like some pilots do a better job of briefing people than other pilots. I'm just saying, Patrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah, just yeah, yeah. saying. Sometimes I'm like, I could use a little bit more information. Are we going to live? Are you know what? We? Another big one is a lightning strike. That is like a shotgun going off in the cabin. So that when the lightning is, hits the, the airplane? It hits the aircraft. I don't think I've ever Holy been in the It is that. the loudest thing. So for us, it's, look, there's things that the aircraft have to mitigate any damage. You look, oh, instruments are good, planes flying, it's all good. And 99.999% of the time, that's what happens, right? Maybe an instrument fails, but it's, it's fine. But the first thing you have to do is... Uh, for passengers, yeah, yeah, their, no, their hair. Well, is you're like thinking this. bomb. Ah! If I heard that, I'd be like, "What just went off on this plane, man?" Yeah, yeah. Holy so smokes. it's crazy stuff. Okay, can you imagine? <laughs> the, you're so the pilots must all get together after a just rough flight and be like, "Oh, could, did, did you, you hear the screaming that? back did there? You see that we... big dude who thought he was tough on the way <laughs> in, just crying like a little baby on his way well, out." Well, <laughs> well, we all hear it from the cabin staff because they'll say. Yeah, someone got sick, and then that sets off everybody else. <laughs> they oh. smell it, oh. and yeah. then everybody's throwing up, and it just gets. I think gets I almost snowballed. gagged. Oh, I almost gross, gagged yeah. right now just 
thinking of the smell. <laughs> Don't need to think yeah. about that. Yeah. Bring us back on track. Bring us back on track. Okay, so, so, so yeah, you, um, you, but you go down the real estate path, 2013, you jump into all this stuff. What, what, what leads you into real, why real estate? Why did you get into the real estate okay, thing? Okay, so uh, it's, it's funny, listening to your podcast, it seems that there's people that get into real estate right when they're in their 20s, or like I did, I go to school, we get married, we get a house, there's kids, kids are older, at the same time we're investing in stocks, they're not really doing much of anything, uh, but you know, the real estate thing seems to be working out okay, so later on in life you decide, hey, you know what, I'm gonna go down that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, you know, buy some rental properties. And um, I started in 2013 and uh, never looked back. It was fantastic, great move. And uh, up until 2019, it was purchasing. I have properties in Hamilton, Oshawa, and Peterborough. And then the corona hit and then I kind of, you know, sat back and said, okay, let's just see how we make out with this. Can everybody pay rents? The world didn't end. Everything went smoothly. And a funny thing happened on the way to that. Uh, I started in the summer of 2000. I started listening to Howard pull, Linson. Pull, pull the mic, pull the mic. Howard Linson with his um, um, Panic with Friends. Okay. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I know that it's, podcast. It's really good because yeah. it talks about startups, but also, and so there was a lot of crypto in there. I said, oh, that's interesting. And then you guys were interviewing Greg Foss, heard his story. Um, Mike Novogratz uh, was interviewed by uh, Tim Ferriss. That really impressed me. And then... Uh, read the Bitcoin standard and then I was, uh, I was bought, I just mm-hmm. said, wow, that's, that's really good. And then in October, um, listening to Raul Paul, I thought, yeah, that's it. I'm going into, it was, into a real, was it a, it was a real vision daily briefing episode. A that real you vision to. daily briefing. He always speaks on a Friday for the most part and he is really good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's that brings us to it's, yeah. it's interesting. So you you built a real estate. But we talk about we tell everyone everyone's broke in their thirties. We don't see any clients in our thirties. We either see people in their twenties or in their forties and beyond. We don't we see very few people in their thirties because in the thirties you're trying to buy your house, you're having kids. Yeah, the getting, cash is all going out. The cash is going yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. You have nothing. So that's why you're hearing podcasts of people either in their twenties or in their forties and beyond because the thirties is like everyone's busy. No yeah. one wants to talk to us at that stage of life, and it's understandable. But for you, you got into the real estate investing. You picked in some of the great cities. You did rental properties, and at the same time, like at, at around two thousand or just before, I was also I was a bit of a gold bug. And that worked out okay till 2010, 2011. And if you look at the chart, it went sideways, actually a little bit down. And now it's back. It, it hasn't done anything in 10 years. Mm-hmm. So that's why at 2013, I, I just said, you know what? I'm going to have my normal gold allocation. That's it. Let's, let's look at real estate. Yeah, and cool. I've, I've done trading as well. No good at it. Uh, Fear, greed, I don't know enough, FOMO. Yeah, don't all follow, follow the formula properly. Oh my yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I'm thinking about it all the time. Mm. It's just a mess. So I'm really good at buying high and selling low. Yeah, that's so me. I can, yeah. 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 I'm pretty good at I can do that too. I'm going to teach yeah. a course on that. How yeah. to buy yeah. high and yeah, sell, sell low, low in the stock market. And do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you go through the COVID thing. And then why does, this is interesting to me because I find that most people who put in as much research as you have into Bitcoin will always proceed. They'll always kind of buy some. Very few people do a bunch of research about it and then say, yeah, I've looked into it. It's wrong. 
So what was it? Was it a why? Why did you go into it? What caught your attention about it? Why? Why did you go down this rabbit hole? Well, I think it was easier for me because I already had that gold background. So a store of value, uh, the money printing, which was it's happening and it was happening. And uh, so for me, it was it wasn't that hard of a it's, it's like, oh, wait a second. This is all the benefits of gold and none of the negatives of gold. This is gold 2.0. Fantastic. So, you know, I haven't looked back since. It's just, uh, it's a fantastic uh, invention. But it's, you know, one of the things I do find is that when you commit, and now you want to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, 80%, and I still uh, just heard in, hearing that on a podcast, 80% of your friends or 80% of whoever are not into Bitcoin. So you tell them the story and they just look at it and you go, what's that? Like you can't hold it. Mm-hmm. What, what are you talking about? Or isn't it good? Isn't it bad for the environment? Or uh, criminals use it. That's what I've heard. And so there's this. So I, uh, you know, I, I came to a point where I thought, okay, I have to have my elevator pitch. I'm going to say my little spiel because everybody says, well, can you explain it to me? So I go, you know, this is what I say. I say, uh, Bitcoin is a digital money that you can trade between each other over the internet uh, without an intermediary or a middleman. Uh, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto was the inventor, and there's 21 million. How, mm-hmm. how many countries have you been to? <laughs> no, no, I, I want to, this oh. circles back to Bitcoin. I'm just curious. How many countries have you been to as oh being a pilot? Uh, I don't know. Uh, 75, 50? So 50, in those 75 countries, this is what, what gets me because there's you've seen a lot of different standards of living, the average standard of living amongst mm. those, those 75 different countries. And a lot of that has to do with the way, and you know Tom will often speak about this, with, with the way the global monetary system set up. And I think that's to me what the bigger picture behind this is, is that if you... If you're able to then, if those types of people within all those different centers of living, good or bad, are able to remove the centralized control of their money supply into something else that is people trade and see value in, it changes the game in, you know, out of those 75 countries, maybe 20 of them, you know, let's say, let's say 50 of them, let, let's say 50 of them were first world. Let's say 50, probably not. But anyways, let's say 50, maybe the, you know, the other 25 they, there's a, there's a huge advantage, a huge upside to them to looking at something else from for uh, to use as some sort of store of value. I won't even say money because they can still use a local currency, but as some sort of store of value, it's just a, it's immense. And I, I, to me, that's the part that's often overlooked because in North America, so many people look at it right now as a trade because it's popular now and it's gone up in price. It's a trade. It's something you can buy. It's going to mm. go up in the Canadian dollar value or U.S. dollar. Then you can sell it right away versus what it could be become is just this longer term asset. Right. That's 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 how I. Yeah, I wonder. I, it's a good point. I wonder if that has also because it definitely your gold background helps. But I wonder just if you're if, if Patrick's worldview helps. The fact that he's traveled to all these countries. Well, look, I can give you examples of uh, what I've seen inflation. The first, my first year at KLM flying to Brazil, that's 94, 95, they had a run on their currency. And so you would, you, we always traveled with US dollars anywhere because that's accepted anywhere. Yeah. And then you would exchange your money and then they said, well, spend it today because it's going to be less tomorrow. And you'd go into a restaurant and there's stickers for the price of everything because the next day they put another sticker on with a different price. And it changes. Um, 
Yeah, that, that see that that that's what we the vast majority of they don't, people people here don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Or Buenos Aires. There's a, a an example. Today, if I fly to Buenos Aires, I show up at the hotel. There's someone that meets us. They say, "Hi, I'm you know the 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 money change person." I said, "Oh yeah, I know how that works. That's great." They'll come to my room. All the crew members come to the room, and we're all exchanging U.S. dollars or euros for uh, the Argentine peso. And they get then that hard currency. Because one day I'm looking and going, you know, your exchange rate is actually really, really good. Like, you're not making any money there. They go, no, we don't want to. We just want you to do this because we're getting our hands on the U.S. Cur- dollars. Yeah. yeah, because there's capital controls. We can't get, we can't get U.S. dollars. Right. We can't, you know, they want us to use the local currency. And this is, and by the oh way, my God. So they, last you're year, their only hope to get some U.S. Yeah. dollars. Yeah. And last year and this year, 50 percent inflation, 50 percent inflation. And they can't get what them. are they buying over there? Sergio Manzur has been on here before talking about yeah. Argentina. But when you're talking to these guys, are some of them saying like, what are they what are they doing with the U.S. dollars? They just hoard those. I don't know, but yeah. I, I haven't discussed that with them. But, I, you know, there was one time we were on this uh, walking tour and this guy, this American who had studied economics. I said, so, you know, they just seem to always have this problem in, in Buenos Aires or in Argentina with politics and this and that. I said, okay, so what, how is it when you want to buy a house? He goes, oh, it's 10% loan to value. I go, oh, that's why even bother? Like, you're almost going to get no loan to purchase a home. You must have just pay all cash. Oh, got it. I was thinking, sorry, 10% down. You're thinking they have to put 90% down. No, 90% down. Oh, sorry. 10% in my mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. And by the way, uh, you know, talk about inflation, Venezuela, uh, uh, Mark Yasko, he said the other day on a pasta, he goes, do you know the best performing stock market in the last three years? You saw that, yeah. Venezuelan stock market. And I, I looked at it, I go, what? And so they are required to uh, post their returns in nominal values, meaning that it has to be in the boulevard. Well, yeah, then it's going to go up because the currency has plummeted. The Turkish Turkish real estate prices are way up too. Oh, but that's another currency that's just. It kind of makes me wonder about investing in the stock market now here in North America because if there's like a melt up in the stock market, stocks actually have to go up more in value than your dollars being depreciated because if you cash out from those stocks and you get Canadian dollars for them, if the things that you're then going to exchange for dollars like real estate or food, if they're going up percentage wise higher than the stock market, you're falling behind. Even if the stock market's ripping forward. But that applies to any asset Any class. asset. Yeah. No, agreed. But I mean, you have this single point of exit in the stock market that you're typically coming out in Canadian dollars. There's no other options. Like if you own a rental property, Patrick can say, hey, you know what? Let's just agree that instead of paying me in Canadian dollars, pay me in lumber or pay oh, me I in see. cars or pay me in M&Ms or pay yeah. me in whatever you want. And you have that, you have a productive asset that you control yourself and you can decide what the exchange of value is going to be. Pay me in Bitcoin, Right. But if you are in stocks, you're really only exit from there, unless you're like a, a major equity shareholder. You're going to borrow against your but shares. But then can't you take then can't you take those and just exchange them for whatever you're going to exchange them for, anyways? No, agreed. But you have to do it pretty quick. Yeah. Like when we have friends over, to to talk to your point about the Argentinian example, when we hmm. had friends through the hyperinflation of of in Croatia there in the '90s, they were getting paid and running to the stores at one point to exchange the currency 
for food or whatever they were buying because it was going down that that fast. I just mean you're locked in the, there's an exit. And if everybody's trying to hit that exit at the same time, I'm not sure that that's the place you want to be. That's By the probably- way, the boulevard, uh, two things I saw that last year, the market, their stock market was going up 40 to 50% per month. And this week or the last week, they said, okay, the boulevard, what we're going to do is we're going to take the last three zeros off the currency. That's the new currency. So can you imagine? I've got 10,000 boulevards. It's now 10. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's, That's crazy. Can you, imagine, can you imagine that happening here? You'd be gutted. Like you would just, how do you live that it, way? It's, it's that that I'm talking about. Yeah. When you're in the system, you're subject to those types of actions. It dep- there's, two, there's a couple of further things because it depends on what you have and you know, because what happens to prices, right? Because if that, if the same thing, the, there is an argument to me if the same thing happens to prices, then it's, it's, it's kind of, is it a wash? Sure, Except but some people bought them at whatever value. No, agreed. Because if they take the three zeros off whatever else you're buying, okay, it's a wash. But I'm just saying I have no control. Yeah, I agree. I am just subjecting myself to whatever the government decides to do with the currency in the country. And when Sergio was on here, he just talked about, was it Sergio or someone else? They basically just went in and took... Their, took the money from the bank account too. Well, by, you know, so there's that. That it goes to, to your point about control. It's just okay. Three zeros off the currency is one thing, and then it says, by the way, if you have this much in your bank account, we're just going to come and take half. And and, you know, and that, on, that's a problem. On that point, I don't think people quite realize how um, aggressive governments could get. In Croatia right now, I know someone who owns a business where the bank, the government, has gone in and taken back tax what they feel are as appropriate tax payments from this person's private bank account with no authority of the person who has the bank account. That happened the government, the, No, the government just decided, no, they didn't send them a letter or anything. Oh, I see. They just decided it's tourist season. You operate this business. You should be paying us this much in taxes. We're just going to go in and take the money. Here, well, that, we, happened, that happened to Michael Saylor. He talks about having a million dollars U.S. in a bank account in Buenos Aires. Then the next day they said, okay, we're now changing it to Argentinian pesos. Can't touch it. And then I think it was that same, the next day, then they took, they took, they went to 10% value. So he goes, yeah, I had a million, now it's only 100,000. And he was also talking about, I thought it was interesting, a side note was that he says a lot of people, if they need to get money out, one way to do it is they buy themselves a yacht or a boat. You just sail it away. Because at least that, <laughs> I forgot that he you talked can about move. that story. You can, that's yeah, yeah. that's something you can do. You can sail it away. You can't do that with a house. Yeah, yeah. A house is stuck. Yeah, buy a precious piece of art. Buy a few Rolexes. Put them on your wrist. Yeah. Walk out of the country. Yeah, buy travel, some gold travel chain. through Pearson with. Why do you think Nick and I wear here? some gold chains? We're walking ah. through Pearson. We're walking through Pearson. Hey, we're coming in. We're coming through. Yeah. We're uh, coming. Tom, Tom, I don't know what Tom does. Just for the record, I don't do anything. Hey, for that, the record, I was actually a student. The border I was a student <laughs> customs officer at Terminal One. This might be before your time. The old Terminal One. I was a student customs officer there. And when really? we saw the pilots come through with the crew, and they would always get the special treatment through that you know hey go right through i'm always thinking to myself these guys got extra bottles in their bags there's no <laughs> doubt about it and they're just getting <laughs> we'll take a no comment we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no comment, comment on that one actually on, <laughs> on a separate note i shouldn't even share this story but our father brings homemade rakia uh the the, the from the grapes it's uh you know um, his, his, they call it loza, but it's a, it's the homemade rakia, like a grappa in, in, in Italian in the Italian world. Um, and our father, I always tell him, hey, there's a limit. You can only take so much through. 
And he's like, no, well, what I'll do is I'll just take an extra bottle and I'm going to write my friend's name, Frank, on the label. And if I get pulled over at customs, I'm just going to say, well, that, <laughs> that bottle's not for me. That's for Frank, my friend. And I'm always like, dad, do you think some, someone else has definitely tried that trick? Like you're not going to, it's not going to be like, okay, to take the extra bottle through just because someone else's name is, is on it. But Patrick, back to you. When you do talk to people about this stuff, I, to me, it's it, sometimes I feel hesitant to almost use the word Bitcoin because everybody has an opinion on it. I like oh, using yeah. the word of like, hey, this is just a sound form of, of money. This yeah. is a, a, a proper sound form of money and let's have that conversation. So when you are talking to people, um, I could just imagine his co-pilot next to him thinking, oh my God, is this guy going to try and orange pill me with the Bitcoin stuff as well? What, what, you know, tell us more about like how well, you Well, it's think- funny because uh, so on this flight, I was talking to the co-pilot and he goes, uh, I'm not interested in Bitcoin. I said, well, do you know how it works? No, don't know how it works, but I'm not interested in it. And, and sometimes you have that. People don't want to... People have already made a conclusion and they don't want to investigate to change what they have in their mind. And so I just say, look, if you read the Bitcoin standard, if you read that, chances are you're going to change your mind or at least have a better perspective on things. But people just they go, no, don't want to. I heard it's bad for the environment. So that's I'm sticking to that story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Ey. and so I also like, I find like if I tell someone, I keep it short and sweet. And then I say, you need to read the Bitcoin standard. Because if I, if I start explaining more, more questions come up, you get stuck in the weeds and it's like, this is not going anywhere. So I just said, look, yeah, you just have to. And it's, it might take a week or two, right? It doesn't, you're not going to, it's not going to click uh, the first time. Like I, the first time I remember the first time I heard about Bitcoin this was back at around 2012. And, you know, you're talking about it because, oh, you know, I was in the gold and they, uh, and it was like 10 to $20. And then it went up to 50 and then up to 100. I thought, oh, I just missed that. Okay, forget it. Then went down, then went up. I said, oh, that's pretty volatile. Forget it. Then I didn't see it until 2017 when in that fall period and all the crew members, they're all buying Bitcoin. I'm like, what? What is this? And there was a steward. He goes, yeah, and I bought uh, two miners. It cost me $14,000. I go, you're nuts. I thought to myself, you're nuts. $14,000 for two miners. Anyways, I don't know where it, I don't know where that guy ended up. But uh, you, you know, don't see him anymore. Maybe he's, like, yeah, he's, he's doing okay. Yeah, he's Who knows? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I remember at the time, too, Kevin O'Leary, I saw him. You know, For him, he says, look, uh, if, if I want to buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin, I need it to stay, if I'm going to buy it for $2.50, I need it to stay $2.50 from the time I order to the time I get my cup of coffee. And it seems Bitcoin just, mm-hmm. it, it's volatile. Now, he's changed his mind He's flipped things. entirely, yeah. He's flipped. And, you know, once you understand how things work, it's not quite that way. But I, I you know, I must admit at the time I thought, okay, it's a currency. Well, it's the, I think the better narrative is to say it's a, it's a store of value. You want to buy it as a store of value. And if you're going to exchange things, maybe use a, a stable coin or, or the Lightning Network and those kind of things. But you're buying it to hold it and never sell it. Are you doing any of that kind of stuff? Do you have any stable coins on deposit anywhere, earning interest, doing any of that no, stuff? No, I haven't or done any of that. I've used game? it to transfer money to buy things. There was, uh, look, uh, there was a coin that I really wanted to buy, and it was on Binance. Well, I bought it on Binance. 
And now I've found out as that... As a Canadian. As a Canadian. You and, can't get access yeah, to it. Well, no, not, well, I have to, I have by the end of December to get it off that exchange. I'm like, you know what? It's So sometimes there's a lot of friction still. Like mm-hmm. uh, now as a Canadian, you can buy a Bitcoin ETF. You mm-hmm. can go to your TD Waterhouse in five minutes. You've got some Bitcoin. Way it's so easy. Would you have bought some of this stuff without the real estate portfolio? Like, has that trumped it for you, or do you feel good that you have some of these properties generating some income, and that's an important role for you? What are your just thoughts on that? Well, uh, so I didn't, you know, I just kept going with the real estate. I thought, well, this is going okay, and then Bitcoin came along, and now it's like, well, this is nice. Now I've got this bucket. And we're going to fill this bucket up. Yeah, so got it. That's essentially what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering I, if I just, you didn't have... And the whole, have... the whole, I find it fascinating. Like there's so much beyond crypto, NFTs, uh, layer one protocols. There's so much to know. And it's, it's actually too much. Sometimes it's like, well, it, it, And it's difficult to keep up. I think if you're not keeping up with this space, this is the danger I feel for most Canadians right now. And I mean this seriously, that if you are not paying attention to this space, there is so much happening. But by the time you decide to start, you are going to feel even more behind. Like, I feel like putting out a banner from the behind one of the KLM flights that you fly <laughs> right across as you enter Canada through Newfoundland or over Newfoundland or wherever you're coming in from that says, pay attention to this digital space right now. Yeah. Like, I feel that urgently about it because Nick and I have been looking at the Lightning Network mm. and we're like, hey, why don't we open some channels and kind of play around with this stuff? I think we had a, I think I, I mentioned to Nick about two months ago, like, I'm going to do it. We've gotten busy, haven't gotten around to it. Now I'm looking at where the Lightning Network is 60 days later. It's like an entirely new universe has opened up fast. with the amount of stuff. Jeff Booth was just talking at our, one of our recent events that it's 4%. It's growing 4% a day. Yeah. 4% yeah. a day. Yeah, but yeah. I think demand's still going to outstrip supply in the, for, the, for, the, for the relatively near future because the demand's increasing so much too. Yeah. So, which is interesting, meaning that growth, the, the supply growth isn't even keeping up with the demand growth because you're talking the supply. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is, which is even even freakier to kind of think about. Here's another statistic I love is that in 1997, the internet, 150 million people, it was growing at 63%. Now 2001, 150 million using crypto and it's growing at 113% mm-hmm. a year. That's incredible. It's moving really fast. And they- 2021, 2020. You, you, think you said it, 2001. Yeah, to, sorry, yeah, 2020. Yeah, 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 that's a big yeah, difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank but you. you're right. Yes. Yeah, it's but crazy. There, there is an element of that. that the infrastructure is built out, right? Because the, the internet couldn't grow as fast because there wasn't, the network wasn't built out yet. So mm. more, their their physical infrastructure need to be laid. And I'm not saying it's not growing yeah. fast. It's incredible. Like it, it clearly mm. is. However, now that the infrastructure is laid, it'll, it, there's, there, the railroad is there for technology like this to be able to grow faster. But right, I think because the the internet needed physical sure. physical. Now we're all reaping the rewards, rewards. of that, and, this and, is growing and it's going other things are going to grow. Yeah, and the computing power and the storage space and all, like everything. Remember to store like you had a floppy. What, how big was the first hard drive that you had? Oh my god, I had a floppy disk. I think it could store sixteen k, sixteen kilobytes yeah. or something like that, if right? I remember right. Like it's just like it was a joke. So now you got Amazon Web Services, and now we've come to the point where regulators in the U.S. just today announced that they're going to start working with banks to custody Bitcoin. They just came up. Routers came up oh, with a news release. Yeah, they just yeah, said yeah. banks are going to custody Bitcoin, and we're going to work with the regulations. Which banks? Them. Canadian banks or in U.S. The U.S. Banks? 
in the U.S. They're just going to work with the banks to custody Bitcoin. Wow. So when banks can now start, we can't get there yet. Parliament still hasn't started up yet. I, I don't know if you know. So we'll, we'll get to. <laughs> no, we'll we get our, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got our ETF. <laughs> so Patrick, I'm I'm curious. Someone like yourself, if you were listening to this and you're like, yeah, yeah, guys, enough about this thing. I'm here for your real estate chat and nothing else. I just want everyone to know we're here not about specifically real estate or specifically about Bitcoin. We want financial means and mechanisms where each of us can live life on our own terms. That's why we talk about this stuff. That's why we talk about real estate. It's why we talk about Bitcoin. So we really think this is important. I'm curious, from your your point of view, if you were listening to this for the first time, who would you suggest or who resonated with you to follow on Twitter or to listen to podcasts? Who were some of the people? Raul Powell was a big one for you, correct? <clears throat> Look, I, yeah, but I also liked, I certainly like listening to uh, Michael Saylor, hope.com. And, you know, he, he, he speaks eloquently as a scientist and he, he talks about thermo, this is thermodynamics. And at first you're like, what is he talking about? Wait a second. I remember uh, Greg Foss, he was saying, yeah, this is energy. I'm like, what? You said it just like Greg Foss there for a second. So you started shaking while you <laughs> yeah, said this it. Is, yeah, this is energy. Yeah. So uh, look, you know, yeah. So if, my- you, if you go to Michael Saylor's website, he has a ton of interviews to follow. I, look, I think if you read the Bitcoin standard, get that basic knowledge. And once you read that, then you'll understand because then you know how Bitcoin works, how blockchain works, how crypto works, and what the store of value is. And I think if you if you learn that, you can build on that because there's so much. Like I'm still trying to figure out, and I'm almost there. I feel I kind of know what an NFT is, but boy, oh boy, sometimes it's just like, what? Mm-hmm. What are they talking about? Like, how can this? How is this worth? Uh, you know, two million dollars. This this digital photo. But so, once you start to, you know, you just got to keep reading and, and learning. So and, and so just to recap, uh, Raul Powell was a good one for you. Greg Foss, another one. Michael Saylor, for sure. Who else? Mike Novogratz is someone you like? I like following Mike Novogratz. Why do you and, like him? Well, look, he's, uh, you know, he's one of the adults in the room and he keeps it real. He's, he's What do you mean by that keeps it well, real? Well, look, he's, he doesn't, he's not toxic. He's not a maximalist. He, he's... Uh, uh, digital or Galaxy Digital is like the third largest uh, holder of Bitcoin. If you look at the list, it's uh, MicroStrategy. I think it's uh, Tesla, and then and then uh, Galaxy Digital. They're number three, and then under that is uh, Square. Is Galaxy Digital on the Toronto Stock Exchange? Yes, G L X Y. Why are they on the Toronto? They couldn't get permission or something. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why they Exchange. do trade on the pink sheets on the Nasdaq. Now it will go on the main Nasdaq. Yeah, we were just saying this month or next. So if you want to front run that, oh, check shit. it out. Your smile. You're so. Oh, oh, Patrick's getting excited. I'm, I'm we talking know, my book. <laughs> well, we know. We know his track record on stocks. So, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> Buy high, sell low. low. Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay, and anyone um, who else comes to mind? Uh, Novogratz, uh, uh, Preston, Preston. Oh, Preston Pish. You Pish, like, yeah, yeah. yeah got um, it. You know, after I, I like those guys because they don't uh, like some people. I had to block. I said, you know mm-hmm. what? It's just too negative. Because look, if I listen, a lot of it's on Twitter, so you get good stuff and bad stuff on Twitter. I think everybody has seen that. So uh, these people, they're positive. And uh, they're just ha- trying to help the space. And they're coming out with really good information. Raul Paul, I mean, uh, he has a whole website dedicated to crypto. It's all free. 
I have a question All for, free. What, what do you think the, the Canadian government's going to do over the next 10 years? Do you see more taxation coming our way? Do you see more regulation around some of this stuff? If you just have to extrapolate forward from what your readings and your listings, what, what, what do you think is coming our way in the economy? Is it just more of the same? Or well, they seem to be reactionary, and I don't see them, you know, uh, the issues with housing, uh, I don't see any game plan. So I, I think it's just politics. They're going to see, how can I get uh, elected for the next time? The same in the United States. And so what can I do? For example, I, I, you know, it, do, I, do I raise taxes or do I print more money? And I think for the time being, I think they're just printing more money. I think, it's an they, I think they'll thing. do both. Well, yeah. So for the higher income, yeah, they might they might go to that, but it, it's just going to cause a lot of friction. But yeah, you know, who knows? But I, that's what I see happening. I see for the time being, they're just going to keep kicking it down. Like it's it's so big now. And you talk to Greg Foss with that four to one ratio. That's the, the most the beautiful way to explain it. It's the best mathematical, <clears throat> cleanest way to explain it. Yeah. How do you solve that? Like, how do you solve that? There's some. So, and just for anyone listening stuff. who doesn't know that example, I just want to repeat it. If you don't know this example, it's that global debt is four times bigger than GDP. And if global debt has an interest payment on it, because it's debt, you have to pay someone of roughly 3%. So if the, if the number four is at the top mm. of this little equation and it's growing at 3%, mm. what would the bottom, which is the number one, which represents the GDP, have to grow at just to keep pace or keep the same spread between the debt and the GDP? If the top's growing at 3%, the bottom has to grow at 12%. Our economy cannot grow at 12%. At least there's been no precedent for that. A 3% GDP growth in a developed country like Canada is fantastic. So to make up the difference between a possible 2 or 3% GDP growth to get the 12% growth that we need, we're going to have to stuff in a lot of newly printed dollars to get the inflation to equal, equival, uh, to equal 12%. This is just math, and this is why I think... I feel like stop uh, standing at the top of the mountains of the Rockies in Canada, and I want to fly the banner off one of your planes, that you must pay attention to this because over the next 10 years, people who do not have hard assets are going to be absolutely mathematically destroyed. Here's the other thing I, that Raul talks about, that there's all this money that's been injected into the system, and they want to stop that. That puts a real drag on the economy. All this, this 3.5 billion, when that ends, well, well what's, happen, what's helping the economy? The economy either has to do it on its own, and if it doesn't, well, now you've got a problem. Now you're going to go back to, okay, well, then we've got to keep printing money. Got to keep injecting money into the system. It's a, uh, and, you know, your chart, the M2 to the price of properties, I mean, that's, that just shows all that money printing showing the value of the properties. I mean, if you look at that, you've got to think. That's weird. Mm -hmm. That chart's so weird. Like I, I just, it seems too, seems too, uh, too, to match too closely to be real, right? It, it's like well, I mean, we've talked about that chart a little bit, Patrick, and and, and M two is so in a debt based money system. For money to exist, new debt has to be created. So sometimes we think the real estate actually is creating the M two, and here here's what we mean that it, when Patrick goes to get a mortgage and you sign the piece of paper to get the mortgage, you're creating if the mortgage is five hundred thousand dollars, you're creating five hundred thousand new dollars out of nothing. So we've just and if that money goes into a lawyer's bank account or the 
seller's bank account, that is now counted as M2 from what I understand. So is the real estate leading the M2 creation or is the M2 creation leading the product? And it, not that it really either, ma- it doesn't even really matter. It, it really truly doesn't. The fact that it's just happening is what's important. Yeah, well, even the M1 line, it, although it's lower growth rate, the the, tr- the line of it, the trend line, it matches almost exactly, exactly as well, right? What's the percentage of real estate lending for that M2? Yeah, that would be interesting you know, it's not, to find it's not out. 100%. We have a homework project for you. <laughs> you're, you're wearing a whoop band? Yeah. What, so what are you gathering? But I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the update, the 4.0. Oh. But that's, did you guys wear a whoop I wore well, a while ago, a couple of years ago now, when they first came out, I think we, Tom got them shipped over from California while we were in New York because he couldn't get them to Canada. I smuggled yet. them in. Yeah. Patrick, you have no idea. I discover these things. And you also I, have I, the aura ring, no? Or yeah, yeah, thing? yeah. Nick got me the aura ring as well. I'm not wearing it right now, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Whoop Band, um, are you following your HRV? Uh, look, you know what? I have so many things to charge. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's there and sometimes I'll look at it. Sometimes, and then usually it's like, oh, you haven't charged in a while. And it's like, okay. And... You know, we the, went off. It, it's, it just gets crazy. But as a pilot, I'm just curious. Sorry, I know we're off a tangent here. As a pilot, when you are going through time zones and stuff, do you notice any? Oh change? my god! Like, well, I've talked to him about that. How to manage that? So, uh, the best I can do with this is, for example, I keep my phone on Toronto time, but it does not manage well when I'm going through different time zones. And also, I'll go on board. If we do a, a, a flight to Singapore, it's a 12 hour flight. It's a it's a four man crew two two fly two sleep so now now you're gonna go off you'll sleep for three hours where do you sleep there's bunks in the uh, in the ceiling really yeah Nick did you know that no I had no there's idea there's bunks Look, in, the in the cock in the cockpit yeah so you leave the cockpit every every aircraft every company has their own configuration all that works but I'll leave the cockpit and then there's a galley. And then one of these doors that are in the galley wall, you think, oh, well, I don't know what that looks like a closet. Well, you open it up and you climb these stairs and there's two bunks, two seats. It depends on the... Two seats? What, you got to lounge up there? You can lounge up there, everything. Yeah, it's fantastic. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. Really? Yeah. Look, when we go I mean, when we go to Johannesburg on a safari and we do a podcast in the middle of the safari, you guys will be up there oh, that's relaxing. Great. That's exactly you go to sleep. So how long do you bed. sleep for? Uh, well, it's Two a 12-hour flight, so I'll get six hours of time off. So I might sleep for three and a half hours and then another three and a half hours. What, or Come two and on. Half hours, yeah. I thought you guys didn't even fly. I thought it was just autopilot. Don't you just press a button? It does everything. Yeah, do an auto land. <laughs> yeah. no, auto land, auto pilot. No, like, like 95, 99% of the time you do a manual landing to keep your skills up. But when the weather's lousy, you let the, you let the aircraft land. Yeah. Do you ever hit, you know, when you actually you have to, when you like, hit when the runway a little hard, do you, do you feel a little disappointed in yourself? Like, oh damn, that was a little rough landing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're good. Landing, Cause you yeah, know if there's landing. a really good landing and everyone's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, whoa, yeah, everyone yeah. in the, everyone yeah. in the back's like, oh man. And then sometimes weird. when it's like, you hit it and, and everybody's ba- like, whoa. Yeah. You bounce yeah. back up. You're like, what the hell was then that? Then I say, okay, that was the co-pilot. Do people, my father, our father's generation still claps. Like when we landed now, we landed, I think we were landing in Germany and our dad started clapping and he starts looking around like, no one's coming. I'm like, Dad, I don't really think people do that anymore. Do people still clap on landings? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes? Yeah, but it depends on the crowd. So yeah. on charter flights, you get a lot more of that. Oh, oh, because you're landing in like a, one of the well, islands? Well, everybody's kind of having fun. It's yeah, family yeah, yeah, yeah. and kids. And when you like, come back to Toronto, excited. no one's clapping. Everyone's been, drink- yeah. everyone's been drinking. They're like, yeah, let's go to the landing beach. back in Toronto. Everybody's like, boo. Yeah, I was like, okay, just I just want to get out of the cigar. I'm done with this plane. <laughs> out of the cigar. cigar. Yeah, this long cigar. I can't believe there's bunks on a plane. 
I had freaking no idea. Yeah, well, the cabin that. staff has it as well in the very back. So when they I can't to, get my glass of wine, that's what's that's happening. Right, that's right. Half oh, of God. them are sleeping. So <laughs> half sleep, the other half Because are if it's a long around. flight, I never got it. It's a long, long time. Yeah, 12 hours. When does it, how long does the flight have to be for that to happen? Like anything over six hours? Anything over eight hours? Uh, for us, uh, it's over eight hours. Over then eight. it's a three-man crew. And then when you're approaching 12 hours, four then man. it's four men. So sing, uh, Buenos Aires, that's a four-man crew. Uh, Santiago. And remember, it's always out of Amsterdam. Because when I talk to people, they go, oh, from Toronto uh, to Mexico City. That's not so far. No, I'm going Amsterdam, Mexico City. Because I'm K- all, I start and finish in Amsterdam. That's where I work out of. Always? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I, I always commute to, to Amsterdam. Amsterdam? Yeah. Dude, that's a commute. So I, <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. yeah. So, so you have to get on someone else's flight to get to work? So I'll get on the KLM flight. It's a two-man operation because Toronto to Amsterdam is not a long-haul flight. No, it's a two-man crew. Yeah. It's, it's going to Amsterdam six and a half hours. So on Sunday, I left. I said, hey, guys, jump seating. Like, catch me if you can. You know, hey, guys, hey. And then they go, hey, go to the bunk. So I go upstairs and I slept the whole way. Then I arrive in Amsterdam. I go to the apartment in Amsterdam. I overnighted in Amsterdam. And then uh, I, was, you know, I was telling Tom that at 1.30 today, I got up and then I flew to Toronto. Huh. So what if you flew to Mexico City? You would fly there. You would spend a day or two there. You would fly back to Amsterdam. Then you would come back to Toronto. Yeah, and so normally, especially when I'm going home, I'll just catch the next flight. So, uh, for example, if uh, so, tomorrow I'll operate the aircraft back to Amsterdam, and then uh, three or four hours later, that's, that the, the Toronto flight departs Amsterdam for Toronto. I'm on that flight. Am I tired? Yeah, probably. And I'm going to go in the bunk, and I sleep the whole way. Wow. Do the pilots ever there like knock on the bunk and say, "Hey man, like I'm a bit tired. Can you just do me a favor? Can you take over?" Does no, that I say, of- "Shut up! It's it's a two man crew. Suck it up. You got to uh, suck it up, Buttercup." They know they're there. Yeah. They, but you're yeah. probably not even allowed to do that. I'd imagine there's some <sighs> regulation, right? You can't just have some guy. I'm, some other. I'm totally guy. tired. I'm yeah. Are you dressed when you're doing these catch a commuter flight? Are you dressed in their? Yes. Your, okay, you have to be in the pilot. Yeah, uniform? there's a protocol for that. Oh, there is. Eh? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, and it's great because then it's easy to get through the airport. And, I, and, and uh, yeah, in Amsterdam, I usually walk with the crew and we get to the aircraft and it's all, it's all good. It's very easy. Yeah. This is freaking me out. I cannot believe you commute to Amsterdam. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For tw- and that's done. I've in, done that 27 years. And that's done in the airline industry everywhere. Like if somebody's working for. Uh, I well, it's I very tw- common in North America. Okay. Um, there are commuters at KLM, not as many as in North America. Because in North America, you'll have bases. So someone might start, uh, you know, in Toronto and then for Canada. And then it's like, oh, I want to be based out of Vancouver. But I don't want, feel like moving to Vancouver. So I'll just commute to Vancouver. And so there's all that maneuvering. Oh, about. really? But for me, it was, you know, it's a long story why that, that ended up happening. But, you know, I've been doing it for 27 years. It's good. No problems. I love the airline. Um, I was you know, just compliment. I was just telling uh, Patrick that we had that. Uh, I always forget what it's called now. Business class, business class, and KLM, and how amazing it was. We were blown away. KLM is amazing. We should take KLM more often. Maybe we'll see Patrick. Well, look. Well, now we know where to find him in the freaking bunk. <laughs> hey, Patrick. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'll get you guys in the bunk. You can sleep the whole way. <laughs> oh, hey, that was a, good. And you have your meal. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll have your filet yeah. mignon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had no idea, clueless. Sorry, Nick. No, I was gonna say last time I think you were you were in business class, but this was not KLM. 
you you were talking about filming. You know, Tom got like a because on one way you took Air Canada, and this year yeah, for some I reason I wasn't going to throw Air Canada under the bus, but on Air Canada it was like a, it was a, a signature wrap. class. They had the falafel wrap, and I'm like, hey, I don't know. We kind of splurged on this flight. Can we get like a steak or something? And all they had was the falafel because of COVID. They didn't have the options. It was like, sorry, our menu is like down to this because of COVID. I'm like, what does falafel versus steak have to do with like, I, you know, we can look, are we just going to label everything? I, was, I had taken KLM over. I'm like, I know KLM was great, man. I had my steak. I had a few different Yeah, but on that flight and, over, I had the pod thing where I could lie down. You had a regular seat, no? In the KLM flight? The, it was a KLM first, whatever the first class was, or business class or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, got it. And the it, same type of thing. Oh, so yeah? you got the okay. upgrade as well. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. I guess. Yeah, see how Tom tries to just say, oh, no, no, I forget. I thought you told me. I thought you told me that it was a little different. I can't remember everything. Well, it wasn't the full. It wasn't the full pod, but the seats still don't they lie down? The seats? Yeah, yeah. I think they still lie yeah. down. It's just yeah. it's not yeah. the full pod setup or whatever. Yeah, got it. Every aircraft, every uh, company is different. Like uh, uh, Emirates, they have. If you go in their A380, you go upstairs. The front half is uh, first class, and then the aft section. And I think there's like eighty business class seats but it's remember it's an a380 so they have a second level and it runs the entire length for only 80 seats all business class and when you walk there they all have their own mini bar come on i've never seen that i thought oh Don't wow, some, some of the emirates and i've never been on an emirates <clears throat> flight but some of them have like a little cabin with like a shower yes yeah, so right? that's it yeah you can take a shower be free land back you know i don't know so yeah, but they would have a phenomenal look, lounge as well. But flying yeah. one of those double-decker things, can you fly? Like, is that plane so huge that you need different training on that plane? So every aircraft, you require uh, training for that new aircraft. So you don't you don't switch. from If you switch from one aircraft to the next, you have to be retrained. Got because it. Because, it, it, you know, different numbers, different policies, different procedures. And like when you're, let's say you're flying to Hawaii. I remember <clears throat> we flew into Maui. And the pilot was so great because he flew us right around the top of the volcano there. Like everyone's like, look at this view. And it was amazing. Like, do you have some leeway when you're flying? Like, can you pull into Hong Kong and, and say, I really just want to <coughs> capture a better view. And you just take a slightly different path a little bit. Can you do like that a little bit or no? Years ago, I remember you'd fly to Cape Town and you'd do a circuit around Table Mountain. Can't do that anymore. So Because that circle, you were just doing ad hoc. Well, here. the company just said, look. Stop, uh, stop freelancing. You know, how, much fuel, how much fuel does that take? You know? Oh, and got it. So they're all looking at that. And, and also, you know, it's um, let's just stick to the flight and this, this extra stuff. But let's that's not, years let's ago. Let's not that's, have some fun. That's like, I feel like years that's ago. 25 years ago. I feel ago. like 25 years ago, there was a lot little more things you could do that were well, a bit now, more look, fun. Yeah. Well, the, look, there's been a number of things that have gone off flight path. And, you know, now there's probably a lot more fear when someone goes off flight yeah. not only that right. like they <laughs> see true. everything you do like if something goes wrong they'll tell they said hey so what happened there like they oh, so they review yeah. it after the, even if a flight's successful you go land they're still reviewing some sort of no no like well it. let's say let's say oil pressure's low or 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 something oh, something okay. fails that's you know anything they they can monitor everything that's from interesting afar. you're saying that because i had my first experience <clears throat> in the tesla here that when I was driving it, you know, I've been playing around with the navigation and the, you know, stuff, and it's amazing. Do you think you're a pilot now that you're a Tesla? I, kind of almost, I swear to God, I think I can fly for Patrick as backup. With this car, I feel like I've learned enough that I feel like I'm in a rocket ship. But uh, Does it have a bunk? 
no, that's a good point. I think in the back, though, if you put the seats down, I'm pretty sure there's like this blow-up mattress thing that you can get that fits the Tesla. So yeah, I think it does have a, a bunk back there. But um, when you're driving this car, it's collecting so much data that Sienna and I were in the car and two cars almost hit each other about a car length in front of us. And I had plenty of room to stop. But it was alerting me like I had not seen that potentially to stop. And I had literally nothing to do with this, which I thought was fascinating. But then last night, I kind of maybe ran a yellow. Like I ran a light a little bit. And before I went into the intersection to run this light, the Tesla starts, starts sounding an alarm in the freaking car. Really? Yeah. So then I thought, oh my gosh, when this data eventually gets fed up to the insurance companies... Yeah. I'm in fucking, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm up the creek because my driving style, like you go from like all the benefit, this is classic, this is like social media, internet, internet connectivity, sharing our lives, this is everything. So now my driving habits, how easy is it, for, just like with the pilot, how easy is it for the insurance company to say, you know what, we'll give you a discount if we can just tap into your Tesla yeah. to see how you drive. And if you're a great yeah. driver, you'll take the discount. Or if you're rates, someone like me, you're like, listen, I don't really want to take yeah. the... Uh, your rate's going up next month. It goes month by month, depending on how many yellow lights you ran that month. Yeah. Like yeah. it could be. And right. then what happens if you don't have the exception and they just say, sorry, you can't even drive anymore because you're so shit. You know, it's funny when we talk about technology. I remember in, two, in, in uh, 1994, you'd show up to the hotel and all the cabin staff would run to the front desk and say, did I get a fax? Yeah, yeah, oh, Annika, Nushka. And so, oh, look, I got a fax. There's a drawing, there's some text. That was the messaging back then. That was your SMS, your email, whatever. And it was only a few years later, it was like, oh, there's this new thing called internet. Oh, how does that work? Oh, and then CompuServe had a, a decent world coverage that you would use to log in, you know, the the dial tone to, to get, but, but that, you know, and now look at what we have. Ugh. It is think about technology. This. Think has about gone this crazy. With, with the amount of the monetary network, the way it's expanding on this Bitcoin layer, you could be in Europe buying a round of drinks for people. And I could text you saying, Hey, Patrick's Patrick, let me pay. And even though I don't have European currency, if they're accepting Bitcoin through the Lightning Network, you can take a screenshot of the QR code, SMS it over to me. I can pay for that tab here in Toronto and buy you guys drinks over there. Doesn't matter the currency, doesn't matter anything. Yeah. And this is all coming. I've been tipping people on Twitter. And just, just to see how this works, I have a blue wallet on my phone. I, I created a Bitcoin wallet and I mm. also created a Lightning wallet. Mm. I moved some of my Bitcoin from the Bitcoin wallet to the Lightning wallet. And then I went on Twitter and I saw the little dollar sign logo. So I'm like, I can start tipping. I almost freaked out. Patrick, I wasn't having lunch over here. I tipped somebody. I ran over to Nick. I go, I just shared my first tip. And I, t I tipped like Jack Maulers and Preston Pish. And I was just kind of, yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, who yeah, I yeah, picked yeah. up some value from, Robert Breedlove. Yeah, yeah. And I started tipping them. And I thought it was just incredible. If you've never done this, you just on Twitter, you hit the dollar symbols. And because I had a Lightning wallet, on my blue wallet on my phone up comes my blue wallet. you told me about it that's how i got the blue wallet is that how you, yeah. yeah that's right sorry and it, you know you can pick a dollar you can pick ten dollars i think there's a cap i tried it it's 99 dollars right now <laughs> and uh but you can tip a dollar off it goes there's like no fees to this thing and if you just extrapolate that forward three or four years where the heck are we you could be anywhere in the world you can be on safari somewhere. You catch an internet connection. I could be sending you cash. We Right now I have a friend in California and she always buys us certain stuff for different reasons. And we're always like, oh, I'll pay you via PayPal, but the exchange rate. And then how do I get the money to my bank account? And it's like, it's possible. And we always say, you know what? Just wait till you're in Toronto next time and pay us back for that or vice versa. But now it's just this whole friction is disappearing in front yeah. of our eyes. And you know what's exciting? For example, Elon with his satellites, he's going to cover the entire globe 
there are so many people that still don't have internet. We take it for granted, but there's so many people, for example, in, in Africa or South America or people that are isolated, and they're going to have internet, and they can have a blue wallet, and away they go. And I, that's the other thing I really like about Bitcoin. It's like, okay, anybody can hold property. You don't yeah. a house. That's an expensive thing. People are getting priced out of that market. But you can buy a hundred dollars of Bitcoin, and there you have it. You've got us. So someone in in Africa can buy ten dollars of Bitcoin, and now they have property, property rights. Well, isn't Nigeria one of the biggest, one of the population based, one of the biggest uh, countries for use of Bitcoin? The biggest, I think. Is it the biggest? One of the biggest? It's or by dollar amount. I forget the stat, but it's it's right up there. And and then the same thing. The government's kind of freaking out about it. They're trying to. They're they're looking how how they can end it, but it's it's too late. And yeah. in that type of economy, with you know when when you need U.S. dollars or a different currency because of what's happening and the corruption that type of stuff, they're they look for a way out. And it's it's no different than what would happen in uh, all these other places, like in in Turkey and what was happening in Lebanon with the central bank mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Like, I just think that's the biggest thing that people miss. That's and right now, the all the major banks in the United States are now trading in crypto because the clients want that and all these major hedge funds or portfolio managers are also getting on board and what i find interesting for example um uh, uh, what's his name now uh, warren buffett he he turns around first off he says oh gold it's a shiny rock don't want anything to do about it or he ends up buying barrack gold after the market crashed in 2019 he says crypto that's rat poison well, he's turned around and bought $500 million worth of this, uh, this Brazilian bank. It's the largest online bank in the world. It has 41 million customers, and they deal in crypto. And Brazil is about to approve Bitcoin as uh, something that you can trade online. So he's involved, even though he... He says, eh, crypto. I have a real problem with how. He's a, he, look, total respect for that guy. Uh, yeah, I've, I've uh, lost. Yeah, I've lost. Res- all, I, you have it. And many of my friends have respect for Warren Buffett. And, the, and, and I feel like I'm, I've lost almost all respect. And I know he's an older gentleman and I should be gracious to my elders. I just feel like if you own banks and insurance companies, it's in his best interest to tell people gold is rat poison and Bitcoin is rat, or sorry, Bitcoin's rat poison. And I feel like someone of his wealth, the biggest service he can do back to the population for all the benefits in life that he's gotten is to share with people what he truly believes, what his own father, I think what Charlie Munger's father or Charlie Munger himself talked about gold to not to play this game that this stuff is rat poison at this point to me is disheartening and I feel morally corrupt. I really strongly feel that way about him because he is so, he's put up on a pedestal so highly and he has such a platform that to not at least acknowledge what he thinks the pros and cons are, even if he disagrees with it, but to dismiss it outright and label it, it's the weakest form of debate. I'd have a lot more respect if he said, because he'd always say, "Uh, technology, I don't get it. Just say that then. Say, that's I don't understand I it because uh, that's most people are like that. That's all but I to ask. say it's rat poison. How do you, how do you well, know? Well, then you must understand it because yeah. to label it as rat poison, you must understand it. That's yeah. all I want. So I'm agreeing with yeah. you 100%. Sorry, Nick. Thank no, you. no. There's another so, point. So, Pat, Patrick, when, so you've, you, because you have some real estate investments now and now you're acquiring some Bitcoin, if someone listening to this, you know, is thinking to go down this path, what do they do, you know, to give them, okay. the, give them the steps? So uh, we'll wrap up with this. Look, the... The thing is, you, you you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know what you don't know. So do a little bit of research. Learn 
what Bitcoin is all about. I, I always come back to Bitcoin because that's a, I find that in the easiest of everything to learn. And then from there, you can build on to what Ethereum is or NFTs and whatnot. Read the Bitcoin standard or anything like that. And if you, you know, if you're still on the fence, buy yourself $100 worth of Bitcoin. You can now buy it as an ETF. You know, you could do that with any trading account. And then you have it. You probably think about it more, digest it. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know what? I missed the boat. It's, it's gone up. Okay. Dollar cost average. Just buy $100 every month. That's a so good you're going to buy low. If it just keeps going up, at least you're participating and it goes up. If it goes up and then it goes down, that's okay too. You're just going to keep, you're averaging in. You're going to, and, and if you set it every month at a particular time, it's a habit. And it's going to happen. Or you can automatically set it. And, it. and it's like, okay, I don't even have to think about it. Sit on your hands and watch watch it all happen. Uh, uh, on the real estate front now, so thank you for that. As you travel, and you know, you've know you shared that we share, and I'm sure you're gathering data from everywhere you can about the population growth numbers in this area. You visit a lot of cities. What's your take from above, from 10,000 feet? How, how high are you up in the air? 30,000 feet? 20,000? Uh, well, uh, we start around 28,000, 28, 29,000, depending on how so many passengers. These days, 000. we're higher because we're lighter. There's not that many. You know, oh, passengers really? are coming back. Yeah, so if you're really heavy so if we depart fully loaded and with fuel going to Singapore we're going to be around 29,000 30,000 feet and then as you're progressing you're burning fuel you're getting lighter and you slowly go higher and higher and higher and then maybe as you get to Singapore you're at 38,000 feet and how fast are you going uh we're going about 500 knots so that's let's say uh, 900 kilometers an hour something like that yeah do you ever kind of just step on the gas a little bit uh, we're, we're almost, there's not much wiggle <laughs> no, room there. Okay. But, I mean, if we're running behind, there's like, there's a little bit, but in, you know, it is costs that, fuel and, but yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. much room there. You're almost right at the red line. But if you get some tailwind, maybe yeah. you get some tailwind. For sure. Like, could you, For sure. what's the like fastest it. you've ever gone? Uh, if you have to guess, have you crossed a thousand? Is it possible in one of these planes? Cross a thousand kilometers an hour? Uh, probably, you know, 30% faster than when, like, so, yeah, like okay. for sure. When, uh, when, like there's these jet streams crossing. Can Atlantic. you catch one of those? So as we're going to Europe, they set up these track systems, this, these highways, air traffic control does that, and they plop it right on those jet streams. It might be a little bit turbulent, but you're going to have a lot of speed. Whoa, so you get there out, sooner and out. less so fuel. So now we put up with the turbulence so you could save money on fuel. I got oh, you want to get there sooner, right? You're well, bored in the plane. I want to shake my glass. I want to eat in peace. You might well, want a second falafel wrap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, so and, then, and then the people coming the other way, we're going to avoid that. We're going to go oh, I know. north or One south. One time I flew back from Rome, I feel like I hit the North Pole. Oh, yeah. You yeah, went yeah, so yeah. high. I can't remember what was happening yeah, on yeah, that yeah, flight. Yeah. I'm like, we were like almost north of Iceland. Yeah. I'm like, what's happening here? How many planes are in the sky that we're way up here? You know, one last thing I wanted to mention too was that uh, getting back to Bitcoin was that it always comes back to Bitcoin doesn't it <laughs> yeah it's the apex predator you know it's gonna suck everything in no but uh, MasterCard between, between the two of you I'm just shaking my head you seen this movie for some yeah, we're like two little that's kids why, in yeah, that's why you're here that's your role that's your role yeah you need to you need to calm us down like go ahead what were you gonna but say MasterCard has stated, this was just yesterday, yesterday yeah. that they're going to allow all their banks, look at this, stop that, they're going to allow all the banks that deal with MasterCard to deal with crypto. Yeah, they have to. And then yeah. two pension funds. Uh, South Korea. South Korea yeah. and uh, in Texas, there was a pension fund. Both are going to start buying mm -hmm. 
Bitcoin. Now, that's a big deal because pensions are the most conservative group, super conservative. Everything had to be approved and they're getting into it. So, you know, if you just look at what's happening up above at yeah, it's a these trend. high levels of Wall Street and the pension funds, I trend. think you have to you have to follow their lead and say, well, you know what? Maybe I have to have something. We strongly believe in riding trends. It's kind of like the jet mm. stream. Yeah, yeah. If you can find that jet stream and get on board, you're going to fly. Yeah, this so is going to go on I, for I have, a while. But I have one question as we, we wrap here. Your view from high above in the plane, when you look at the city of Toronto compared to some of the other cities you go in, we always talk about the population growth here. Do you see that? Do you have a perspective on that? Yeah, absolutely. Because when I fly into Toronto, I see urban sprawl and I see houses and not many, there are apartment buildings. Go to South Korea, go to China, Hangzhou. It is blocks and blocks of apartments. But Hangzhou, I never knew, I didn't know anything about Hangzhou. I, I went there for the first time two years ago. Oh, it's 9 million people. They've got a modern subway system. Small little 9 all million. The, all these different lines. And it's, like there's thousands. So I think the reality of, of what's going to happen in Toronto with real estate, they're going to have to start building up. Or uh, what about, did you see what happened in New Zealand? Now they, Yes, I did. With, yeah, with the, the, they're changing all the zoning for the entire country. country. I think. Yeah, that you can build, uh, I think, I think six units. Yeah, yeah, at three levels and six units with no zoning requirements. I don't know if you saw that, Nick. They just said, forget it. We, can, we need to build. Let's build. I'm sure stuff like that's going to have to come here. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Patrick. Thank you so much for this. Hey, I really appreciate me. your energy. Hey, and I like, love uh, yeah, the shirt. t-shirt. You this can't is see awesome. it. You guys created Patrick it. has a Your Life because of you. So for those who don't know the story, Patrick was on Twitter and he had one of our Your Life, Your Terms t-shirts and he put a sticker, a Bitcoin sticker on top of it. And that was your profile picture on Twitter. Yeah. Greg, still there. Greg Foss sees this and we've given him many Your Life, Your Terms <laughs> t-shirts. He sends me a text one day out of the blue. Hey, why didn't I get that T-shirt? Like, why do I get the your the regular Your Life, Your Terms T-shirt? I'm like, well, that's not an actual T-shirt. Patrick just made that with a sticker. I'm going to make it an NFT. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So we ran a special order of T-shirts here. I think we just ordered a dozen of them. You got one. Our team got one here. And of course, Greg Foss got one, which is the Your Life, Your Terms T-shirt with the Bitcoin on it. So thank you for being the inspiration oh, for that. And you Patrick, hey, listen, thank you for being a supporter of ours and like coming here and doing this and sharing your message. You don't have to sit down. You're just off a flight from Amazon. Amsterdam, your pilot's jacket's right behind you. You don't have to do this and share your message. No, I loved it. I wanted to. Yeah, it's so it's we, important. We, yeah, we, we couldn't agree more. So thank you very much. Really appreciate this. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode with Patrick. If you are listening to this and you want to get access to our weekly newsletter, you can do that by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>